With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Peter Gorl, Vice President of Business Development and Client Relations for TechBlocks, a company that's designed to help small, medium, and enterprise companies optimize their business in the digital world. A great example of the kind of work we do is the development of self-serve portals that empower our clients' customers by giving them online access to content and information that they'd ordinarily have to dig deeper through traditional channels of inquiry and call centers. You can read more about this interview at tom2tall.com as well as tblocks.com. My co-host uh, for today is the lovely and talented Kate Moore. Kate, perhaps you'd take a moment and introduce yourself and then introduce our special guest for today, please. Um, as Peter said, my name is Kate Moore. I, uh, I have a blog called The Art of Authenticity. I do that in my spare time. It's something I love to do, writing and just discussing all kinds of things around what, what it means to live authentically in life, love, and work. Uh, my paying gig, my full-time sort of gig that feeds the kids, is uh, VP of Sales and Marketing for a medical marijuana company, which is an interesting time in the Canadian market for sure. And uh, I met Peter and Tom online, and we've uh, forged a bit of a relationship. And uh, it's my pleasure to be here and to introduce our guest today, uh, Bob Berg. I should uh, let everybody know that I have lost com- uh, all objectivity with this guy because I fell in love with him quite a while ago. He is as humble and brilliant and generous as his uh, sort of rap sheet is, but more importantly, in and my experience of him has been uh, deeply genuine. Bob, um, he, he, he's written several best-selling books. Um, the thought after speaker at corporate conferences and for entrepreneurial events. He regularly addresses audiences ranging in size from 50 to 16,000, uh, sharing the platform with notables including today's top thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, there's including a former United States president. He's a pretty impressive guy. For years, he was best known for his book, Endless Referrals. Over the past few years, it's his business parable, The Go-Giver, uh, of course, co-authored with John David Mann, that's captured the heart and imagination of his readers. Uh, it shot to number six on the Wall Street Journal's business bestsellers list in just three weeks after its release and reached number nine on Business Week's. It's been translated into 21 languages, which I love because it's accessible to so, so many people across uh, all um, areas. And it's his fourth book to sell over 250,000 copies. Bob believes his new book, Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion, is by far his most important work yet. Uh, He's an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. What is and is a member of the directors of Furry Friends Adoption in, uh, in Jupiter, Florida. 
So it's my pleasure to welcome you, Bob. You were my first choice for all of the reasons I set out uh, in the beginning of your introduction, and I am thrilled to interview you. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm even better since hearing that part in the, the early in the introduction when you said something like, uh, and you're going to need to repeat this five or six times so I make sure I heard it. I fell in love with that guy because I'm thinking the same thing about you. So, my goodness, thank you for that, that great introduction. I'm amazed at how many people or I have Oh, guys, I think I've lost you. Got Hello? I think I'm not sure if we're still on the line or not. I can hear you, Bob, but I can't hear Kate. Uh oh. Kate, yeah, are you I there? Think... My darling Kate, I think we've lost you. I think we have. Oh, uh, shoot. <laughs> this this could be a bit of a wash today. Uh. <laughs> Gentlemen, can you hear I me? Hate... Oh, I just oh, heard. I just heard her. I just heard her. I'm, okay. I'm here. I'm here. I don't know what's happening. Uh, technology All is right. a beautiful thing when it works. Uh, yeah, right. we, we lost you for about, I'd say, the last minute or so. I thought it okay. might be me on this end. I wasn't sure. Um, I'm, I'm here. Anyway, I'm here. But uh, it is my pleasure to interview you. And yes, Bob, I did fall in love with you long ago. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of debate around uh, forging authentic relationships online, but I have felt... Uh, deeply supported by you, and I find, find you to be a brilliant, humble guy. And uh, uh, I don't know how common that is, but I've certainly found it in you. So thank you. Wow. Well, thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. So your book, let's start with your book, your, the book that you feel is the most important uh, to date, Adversaries into Allies. Are you saying that everyone and anyone uh, who in any way disagrees with you is your enemy? Talk to me about that. Ah, that's a great question because it sounds like that from the title in a sense. And and yet, really, when you think of it in in this context, an adversary is simply someone who, for whatever reason, happens to be standing in the way of your happiness, peace of mind, or even obtaining what you feel you need or or desire. Uh, For example... It could be the person at the customer service desk, and, and let's say you're you're like I am, and you uh, you have lost your receipt, and and you need to return something, and and you get to the uh, the customer service department, and there's a big sign over the person's you know head over you know in, in back on the wall, and it says absolutely positively no returns without receipts. Well. This person might be a a very nice person, but they haven't been equipped, they haven't been taught how to deal or or work with or interact with a good, well-meaning customer who does a lot of business with them but happens to not have his, his receipt. And so, in a sense, they are your potential adversary. But that that's where we come in and we, we handle it in a, a kind and tactful and effective way so that doesn't happen. It might also be your boss. Uh, you want to have a, you want to get a raise and you ask for a raise and and again you might really like your boss but he or she doesn't necessarily feel as though they want to give you a raise 
and uh, and they're not going to give you a raise because you feel you need the money. So in this sense, there's an, a potentially adversarial situation, and it could be a customer or a client who who uh, is, you're help, you're trying to help them see the benefit of your product or service as how it re, as to how it relates with them. They're not seeing it. Could that be adversarial? Well, so. It, it kind of goes back to one of my favorite quotes that I ever heard. It was from a, a, a baseball player by the name of Sada Haru O. Oh. Now, m- most North Americans haven't heard of Sada Haru unless they're unless they're big baseball fans like I am. He was the all-time leading Japanese professional baseball league home run hitter. In fact, not just the Japanese professional baseball league home run hitter, but the all-time. Uh, greatest home run hitter, more than Babe Ruth, more than Hank Aaron, more than uh, Barry Bonds. He he actually hit well over 800 home runs in his career. And what Sadaharu O famously said is, I never saw the opposing pitcher as my adversary, but rather as my partner in hitting home runs. And I thought that was so profound. Because it now it wasn't that the the pitcher saw himself as Sadaharu O's partner in Sadaharu O hitting home runs, but he didn't have to. Sadaharu O saw it that way, just like the young person at the customer service desk or your boss or the customer. It's not that they need to see themselves as partners. You need to see yourselves as as, as partners. And when you can do that, now you create the context of being able to take a potentially adversarial situation and turn it into one of, of two allies, just looking for a, a mutually beneficial outcome. That's interesting, Bob. Now, are you suggesting that – because, you know, when I think about the first example that you offered – when you think about that young person that's at that desk and the, there's a great big sign over, over his or her head, the reality is that individual likely doesn't own an authority, mm-hmm. you know, at, the, at that capacity. So are, are you saying then we as the customer approaching that individual need to kind of assume some of the responsibility and, and maybe place the inquiry a little different? Maybe embellish on that. Well, it it depends on the situation because we don't know that he's not able to help. We don't know that he doesn't have ownership. Although you're probably right, it's 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 probably limited. So we do the best we can with this person in helping him to understand the situation, looking for ways in which we we might be able to uh, to work within this, but. There's times you won't be able to, and so what you'll need to do is politely and tactfully uh, ask to speak to their supervisor and, and possibly that person's supervisor until you get to the person who can say yes. See, a lot of people can say no along the way, uh, but you, you need to get to the person who actually can say yes. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I know that we all find ourselves in in one of those uh, depicted moments that you actually gave three varieties there, <laughs> and I've probably been in a, each and every one of them myself. And I, mm-hmm. I and think I, most I of think us that, have. Yeah, I think I think it is all in the layup. You know, I do like uh, the quote from uh, uh, Haru that uh, says, "It's all in his mind, right?" So he sees in his mind he saw that that's just part of that's just part of this this event that I'm involved in and, sure. and, and that, and he's not an adversary. So regardless of the outcome, I'm, I, I'm good with it. I, is that the point you're getting to is it, you know, in kind of trying to understand that role, perhaps. Sure. Uh, well, he, 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 
he framed it differently than most people than most people do. And so, um, and, and when we talk about uh, principle number four, which is setting the proper frame, <laughs> or even sometimes right. resetting the frame, that comes into play very very strongly. So sure, it's all in how we look at the situation. Once we we look at it at it in a certain way and we frame it in a certain way, now everything else just builds upon that that premise. So if you've got a positive frame, you've got a positive premise, and you build on right. it in a, a successful way. Yeah, perfect. So, Bob, yeah. I, I'd like you to actually maybe walk us through those five principles, but before that, um, it sounds like we're talking a little bit about intentionality. I mean, this quote, I, I, I agree with Peter, it's a beautiful quote. And so back to your example, um, because we all come across this sort of thing all of the time, and can you walk us through the process? I mean, we're ultimately looking for a person who has uh, influence, right? Influence on the outcome, influence on the decision, whether we have a receipt or not. Can you walk us through um, how we, um, when looking at somebody as a partner versus an adversary, as mm-hmm. Peru does, how that changes maybe the outcome or how we proceed or the way we um, interact with people? Sure. Any thoughts on that? Sure. And, and let's let's even first look at what influence really is. Uh, because it can be defined in a number of ways. I define influence on a very, very basic level as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. The key is how we get there. Uh, Influence is not about pushing ourselves or pushing our will on anyone or being pushy. You never hear people say, wow, that Tom or that Mary, uh, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, they'd say she has a lot of pull with people mm-hmm. because that's really what influence is. It, it, the influence is, is pull. It's an attraction, if you will. Great mm-hmm. influencers attract people to themselves and to their ideas. And again, they do this through pull. Through pull uh, which, And when you think of it, pull is a very legitimate form of, of power, power being the opposite of force. What's force? Force is control. It's manipulation. It's intimidation. It's compliance. Uh, often, often from people in a position of authority, right, positional authority, uh, they're the they're the boss or they're the you know the the manager or the supervisor or the or that customer service rep who has uh, you know more more control of the situation and so what we what we find is when we can when we can uh, elicit buy-in or commitment from people that's really what we want to do and that's the most effective as opposed to trying to elicit compliance from people where they have to do something because typically if you operate out of a positional authority, then what happens, you, and you just tell people what to do, uh, or you manipulate them, or you coerce them, then what happens is they may or may not do what you say because they have to for one reason or another, but they probably won't do their very best, either consciously or unconsciously. They might even try to sabotage the situation it's, itself. So compliance, and, and one of my great friends and mentors, Dondi Skumachi, uh, I, I just I love this. She says when it comes to leadership, when it comes to influence, compliance will never take you where commitment can go. And I, I think that's just such a, a hugely profound point she makes. So so let's walk through one situation. Let's say 
uh, and and I remember, and this happened several years ago. Uh, I was in uh, Chicago uh, speaking at a conference, and I got a call late that night from the uh, client. Uh, I guess the the speaker the next for the next morning was not able to get in, so he asked if I could stay in the morning and you know, overnight and do another program in the morning. And uh, I was supposed to s- uh, fly out that next morning, and I said, "Sure, it's uh, an open day for me, so not a, not a challenge. Let me let me call the airline." So I, I called the national reservations number, spoke to a delightful person, and she was very helpful. And she said, "You know, Mr. Berg, I can get you a flight early tomorrow afternoon. Uh, not a problem." Uh, she said, "It will be an extra seventy five dollars to make the change, but uh, you know, just because it's it's so late." And I said, "Hey, that that's that's fine. You know, as long as I can get out of the flight, it's, uh, that's fine." She said, "Oh, well, you know what?" She said, "You know." I just noticed you fly with us so much, and, and she said, and you're so nice. And I'm not saying that to brag, by the way, but I'm saying that it's amazing when you just are nice how people will actually go out of their way for you. That, that's just an added right. bonus that, that right. happens so often. And she said, and you're so nice, she said, I'd like to do this. And I said, well, you're not going to get in any trouble for you. She said, oh, no, 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 we can, we can do it. We usually don't, but we, we certainly can. She said, in fact, I'm even going to put this in the computer system for you so when you go to the the, the uh, gate when you see the gate agent tomorrow it'll already be done you don't even have to say anything about it so, oh okay great wow. now even though you know my client would have been paying the extra $75 i kind of felt a well not kind of i do feel a fiduciary to try to save my client money so if if i could save right. them an extra $75 great so i go to the um, air air the next day, and I'm standing in line, and I'm, I'm noticing that the gate agent does not appear to be in a particularly great mood. And uh, <laughs> when it was my my turn, I you know I smiled, I said hi, how are you? And she kind of looked at me and just said, uh, how may I help you? And I got to tell you, helping me did not appear to be at the forefront of her mind. Okay, <laughs> and and I, I just you know kind of told her what I needed, she, and I gave her the ticket, and she's uh, looking at the tickets. She starts typing, looking at me, typing, looking at me, and she says, "You realize it will it will cost you an extra seventy five dollars to make the change." <laughs> now, you know, you almost knew she was going to say that. that yeah. That just, <laughs> right. And and at that You're point now, I, uh, yeah, well, exactly. And, and at that point, I had a choice. Because I certainly could have seen her as my adversary, not as my partner, not as my partner right. in getting $75 off the ticket for my client. Uh, and so the first thing I did is I made the decision to control my own emotions. And that's that's actually uh, ultimate influence principle number one, control your own emotions. Because it's only when you can control your own emotions that you're even in a position where you can take a potentially negative person or situation and turn it into a win for everyone else. So uh, I decided to, as Zig Ziglar used to teach, respond rather than react. And right. so I did this not by saying, well, I can't believe it, I fly with this all the time, blah, 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 right? <laughs> which would have had her more uh, you know, uh, steadfast in her, her position. So no, instead yeah. I just I, I let her tell me why I needed to pay the extra $75, which is what she wanted to do, and I just right. – I, I nodded and I understood I listened and uh genuinely and and attentively and so she and, and without interrupting and this is so important because when we interrupt we just make this person even more furious and so uh, and and that was always a that was a hard habit for me to break which I, I needed to because I was I suffered from interruptus maximus obnoxious I was I was really an interrupter my my philosophy was always I know what they're going to say why wait till they finish so and that's and that's not a good way to do it. So, so um, uh, you know, I let her her, her her tell me, and I and and that was that. And I, I waited. And then what I said was, what I said to her was, yes, I, I understand. You're absolutely right. 
I agreed with her. I said, you're absolutely right. The woman on the phone last night told me it would normally be an extra $75. So now I agreed with her. So there was nothing to argue with. Now, someone might say, well, okay, so didn't she just say, fine, you know, here it's, it's an extra $75? Not really. Not really. Most people, most people at best would like to be helpful and at worst want to cause no harm. But what happens is people in, in that position that she was in as a, a gate agent or, you know, at the Registry of Motor Vehicles or, you know, different places that, um, you know, they're, they're attacked by people all the time. They are yeah. they're insulted. They're put down. And, and so this one place where they do have some, some power on the job, hey, they're going to, you know, this is this is actually ultimate influence principle number three. Acknowledge their ego. Understand that their ego is uh, is is probably in in high gear. And if we treat them disrespectfully, well, of course they're going to 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 do their best to not not help us. So, but when we agree with this person, uh, it doesn't mean we're going to let it go at that. But we are agreeing. Now, I call this the principle of agreement. Why? Because. Nobody is going to argue with themselves, okay? I just agreed with her. I said, you're absolutely right. What's she going to say? No, no, you're wrong. I'm wrong. No, <laughs> that, that's not going to happen. So so right away, you know, she feels, again, less defensive because, first of all, I let her, her just tell me what she needed to tell me. I didn't interrupt her, and I'm agreeing with her. But now we also have to help her to live in the solution because most people uh, tend to live more in the problem as opposed to the solution. This is a matter of belief systems, and that's actually ultimate influence principle number two, uh, that we all come from a different set of beliefs. We all see the world our own unique way through our own paradigm, our own model. And so we need to to understand that, that that's the case. And so what I did is I, I said – you know, the woman on the phone last night who was so helpful, uh, she did mention to me that she was able to, I, I guess, put it into the computer for us. Now, I notice I said us, not not for you, not for me. I wanted this to be our challenge together. So I said, I believe she was able to, to put this into the computer for us. It just, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, could you, could you take a look and just see? And so she said, oh, okay, and, and she started to look, and, and she's uh, – but, you know, and I, and I know it's in there, of course, because the person put it yeah. in there. But nonetheless, sometimes we've got to sort of help people along because sometimes people aren't going to make that extra, extra effort. And so what I did is I utilized what I call the eight key words that will practically always move someone to your side of the issue, providing you've set it up with genuine politeness and, and genuine patience. And what I said was the eight words were, if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. If you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. And that right there is not to see what we do when we say that is a couple of things. One is we're letting them know, we're communicating that they as a person are more important than this outcome. We're also we're respecting them. We're also letting them know that we do believe they can do it. But we're also doing something. We're giving them something I call the out or the back door. People right. don't want to feel pressured to do something. They're much more effective and much more likely to do for you if you give them what I call an emotional 
escape route, which is the out or the back door. So when you say, if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. Okay, you're you're again you're you're taking the pressure off them, which which is going to actually cause them to to be more inclined to to do their best. Now, what you can say is is you know a few moments after you say if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. Is you can say if you could, I'd certainly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And then you can even follow that up if you want with saying, hey, don't get yourself in any trouble over it. But you, you typically don't even have to get go that far. Now, so she's you know looking back and forth on the computer and at me, and finally she hands me a new ticket. And she says, now tell me if ego doesn't have something to do with this. She says to me, Mr. Berg, I can do it for you this time, but next time you will have to pay the $75. So I said, okay. You know, that, no, I just said, yeah, that's, oh, that's fine. Thank you so much. You know, and that was it. Let her feel it was her decision, which it was, and let her feel she's yeah. the boss, which she which she was. Now, there's two others. We talked about three uh, of the, the five ultimate influence principles. We talked about controlling your own emotions. We talked about understanding the clash of belief systems, how people see the world differently. And we also yeah. talked about acknowledging the person's ego, not you don't acknowledge it out loud to them. Hey, buddy, your ego, you know, that would have the opposite effect. But you do acknowledge it yourself that that their ego is maybe driving them. There are two other points, two other principles. Number one is to set the, or excuse me, number four, I should say, is to set the proper frame. Or, you know, what is a frame? A frame is the, a frame is the, the premise, if you will, the foundation from which everything else evolves. If you noticed, the frame at first was sort of a, she was in an angry frame, it was an argumentative frame. So what we need to do is change that frame from one of being adversarial to one of being two good people who are simply looking for a for a good solution. Now, the uh, once you have the proper frame set, you're 80% of the way there. And then the other part is number five, ultimate influence principle number five, that's communicate with tact and empathy. Um, my dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. And I, I so agree with that. And tact is a way of being able to correct or critique or constructively criticize. Uh, not that we ever want to do any of those, but we're talking about the real world, and there are times we have to be able to, to do that. But we need to be able to do that in such a way that this other person not only is not defensive uh, or, or resistant to our ideas, but they're open to us, and they're accepting of our ideas, and that's what tact allows you to do, and that's what empathy allows you to do when you understand that, hey, you know, this person's in a difficult position. They're, you know, on their feet all day, and they're being abused by people all day, and they're having to do this all day, and when you can, you know, show that extra kindness because you have that empathy, uh, it's appreciated. That's brilliant. I think probably the only one, the only thing that tact can't help you overcome is a, a traffic ticket. <laughs> I would res, re, re, very respectfully disagree with that because I actually have taught okay. people how to do that. <laughs> oh, it's not going to work yeah. every time, but it will work not, most of the time. Not every time, but I, I, I feel like a lot of what you um, talk about, Bob, and the overarching sort of idea is that you really, really, really do see the best in people. And I don't know that it, I don't know that 100% of people will always respond to us all of the time if, no, if that's no, how you approach won't. it. But I believe the odds are very, very high. Your example, that's what it is. Yeah, your example, you hit it right on the head. Yeah, 
I believe that people, uh, you said it earlier, and, I, and Peter's alluded to it in the past too, I believe people want to feel good and want to help and want to be lovely and want to matter. And all of your principles, everything that you've ever written about, I have always found an underpinning of, um, you know, inspiring and empowerment and empathy to you understood what she was going through. She was in probably long before you arrived at the airport, a defensive posture because she generally attacked. And I know, you know, one of the first times I ever spoke to you talked about those eight words. And they are empowering um, and extremely freeing for, for somebody on the other end. And I think that most of the time people will rise to the expectation, not a false condescending expectation, but I, uh, you know, exactly what you described, where you believe that people want to help and you believe that, you know, that at their core they're actually very good. And I think that, that, that that's, a, that's Haru's quote. I mean, I think that the results and the outcome are generally uh, very, very different when we uh, walk into any situation with that posture. I know personally for myself, I can see a huge difference. I, I wake up some days in a, in a negative state, and I can feel that my posture is almost that I'm looking for a fight or I want to be angry, but when I'm open and... Um, I think authentic and uh, that that posture that you talk about where you believe that you're different. And and I think your five principles sort of nail all of those things on the head that especially the controlling the emotions piece and the, and the compu- uh, communicating tact. I love your father's definition, uh, the language of strength. I love that definition. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for walking us through each one of those. Sure. Oh, my pleasure. Peter, um, I've, I've sort of monopolized the question. No, that's, that's, no, that's great. I, I, you know, I appreciate, uh, appreciate the input because I, I know how uh, passionate you feel about uh, the subject matter, uh, you know, having heard from yourself in that way too. Um, I do. Real-life examples are very, very, um, very helpful. Yeah, yeah. I Bob, is there any is there anything you you have up your sleeve like to I know I know you've talked about specific scenarios, but is there anything up your sleeve that you have to totally uh derail a potential misunderstanding? I mean, is there is there is there something you always I know these are components of so, but I'm just wondering whether there's a a one thing in your uh, in your in in your uh, book of wisdom that that just nails it. Oh, thank you. Well, misunderstandings, uh, about 100% of the time, Peter, are the result of a miscommunication, and miscommunications are about 100% of the time the result of a difference in beliefs. Uh, In other words, because we see the world from different, different ways, we tend to, as human beings, think that other people see the world the way we see the world. Uh, for example, have you have you ever heard someone say, and I, and I know we've all heard people say, oh, everybody likes that. Yeah. Or, right, or, yeah. oh, nobody would want that. But, of right. course, everybody and nobody, that's totally not true. <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. Now, uh-huh. what about this one? If, if you've ever heard someone say, maybe you've said this, I certainly know I've said it, uh, oh, I would never speak like that to someone, or I would never treat someone that way. 
Correct. We hear that all the time from people when they're complaining about somebody else, right? Well, Absolutely. why? You wouldn't say that. I wouldn't, but that's because it's not congruent with our belief systems, but it is for other people. What I'm saying is people see the world, tend to see it much differently than we see it. But as human beings, because we see the world through our own model or paradigm, we kind of assume that's how others see it as well. Now, the same is true even when it comes to words and phrases, because different words and phrases have different definitions in and of themselves, plus we see them based on our own belief system. So that's how misunderstandings can occur. Let, can, I, can I walk you through a quick example? Yeah, by all means, please. Okay. Uh, the team leader goes to his or her team of four people and says, hey, there's been a – just talk to the client. There's been a change. Uh, the project for them, you know, it, was, it wasn't due for another few weeks, uh, it, but it, they, they, now they need it as soon as possible. Okay, mm -hmm. and so now what happens? Well, you – to you, as soon as possible means, I mean, it's it's first thing on the list. Nothing else that matters. Nothing else takes pl takes its place. You work until you get it done. In fact, you pull an all-nighter that night. You miss your kid's ball game. Uh, but you, you did what you, you felt you had to do because it needed to be done as soon as possible. And you get to the office the next day only to see that nobody else has done anything. Uh, because to one member of the team, as soon as possible, where they last worked, meant eh, you pretty much had about a week to get it done. To another person, yeah. as soon as possible means as soon as the other project is done. And to the boss, the team leader, as soon as possible just meant we need to do it sooner than what we thought we were going to have to do. Okay. So what happens is you have different definitions for the same thing, and that's where you have conflict because you have a difference, uh, you have a lack of communication. So if you are going to ensure that there was no lack of communication, no lack of understanding, what you would say when the team leader says that is you'd say, uh, you know, George or, or Karen, uh, when you say as soon as possible, or what you would do is actually, in order to say this very tactfully, you'd say, just for my own clarification, uh, when you say as soon as possible, uh, is there a specific date or, or time that you had in mind? Yeah. And then he would say something like, uh, well, yes, it needs to be done by uh, end of day Wednesday, 5 o'clock. Well, okay, now every single person on the team knows what is meant by as soon as possible. Everyone now is coming from the same definition. So to make a, a longer story short, it's basically just asking a person to define what they mean. But you can't just say to somebody, well, what do you mean? Well, you can, but you probably won't get the results you want. Yeah. <laughs> you want to tactfully uh, ask right. the question so the person doesn't feel yeah. defensive. Now, if you're the team leader and you want to make sure your team is on the same page, you would say, hey, there's been a – I just spoke with a client. There's a change. They need it done as soon as possible. And, and so that means, you know, just so we're all on the same page, that means uh, by end of day, uh, Wednesday, 5 o'clock, mm -hmm. it needs to be totally right. completed. Boom. Right. I had a mentor, Bob, who who was brilliant at this, and he would say he learned after years, and he taught me this, and I'm not great at it, actually. I, I'm listening to you again, taking in all of this, thinking I have to reread these books because I think we forget. But after every meeting, he would say something like, so he would use the word clarification, actually, just for my clarity or clarification, this is what I heard you ask me, or this is what I heard you say. And he would repeat what he heard. And I think half the time, 
you're on the same page. But another half half of the time, the other half of the time, the answer is, no, actually, that's not what I, I said. Or he would say, your expectations of me are such and such. And I would say, oh, that's not at all what I was trying to communicate. So, But it was done in such a non-threatening way, right. exactly what you're talking about. Like, is that the one question you refer to, one question you can ask? Yes. Yeah. That's pretty much guaranteed? To, yeah, it would you know, be, what up? do you mean by, or how would you define yes. is the yeah. actual yeah. question. It's the way you set it up with tact and kindness and, and so forth. Yeah. All of those things, all of those things. Brilliant. Peter, I, I, Brilliant. I feel like I am monopolizing. No, I no, no, you're not. Hey, you're not at all. <laughs> not at all. Actually, we we love we love hearing you speak. Actually, okay. I, you know, I had I had Kate on a show and uh, I just let her go. Uh, she was fabulous. <laughs> Bob, I'm Bob. You, you know, uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm getting the same kind of feeling from you too, Bob, because uh, you know, the, you definitely have some really well-defined um, images, and you know, and that you can that you portray. And I know we've all, I, I know we've all seen them. You know, I mean, I when I I look at it on a day-to-day basis, and I just realize that it takes discipline, right? You know, self-discipline to keep and maintain that. I, and it's hard. It's hard in the kind of work world that that we're all involved in right now. There's a there's a pressure to perform. There's a, profe- a pressure for time and you know and deadlines and things like that. Uh, can, have you have you thought or have you come up with any any kind of ways, means, or or methodologies of like just Getting past that 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 speed and, and trying to remember this uh, every time something like this pops up in, into your scenario. Well, as far as learning some of the skills, uh, for example, we we talk about controlling our emotions and how that can be so difficult. And the reason why controlling our emotions can be so difficult is because we're human beings. <laughs> Then you know, so we're emotional creatures, right? We'd like right. we'd like to think we're we're uh, logical or that we act out of logic, but we're, we and to a certain extent, of course, we do. But but by and large, we're emotional creatures, and we we make major decisions based on emotion, and we back up those emotion-based decisions with logic, or you might say we rationalize. And all you need to do is break up the word rationalize, and you'll see it simply means we tell ourselves rational lies. And we do mm-hmm. that in order to <laughs> justify that emotion, emotional decision we know we shouldn't have made, but we really wanted to. And so, I've never broken up the word that way. I have never broken up the word that way. <laughs> I have to admit, and now I'm going to see it differently again, thanks to you. Okay, yeah, thank continue. You. Okay, wow, wow. And, and that was a, you put a very bright light on that one for me, too. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, and, and another type of emotion that can be harmful is, well, the kind of emotions where someone – either intentionally or unintentionally, you, n- you never know, uh, says or does something that, that pushes our buttons and causes us to make ourselves mad or angry or sad or depressed or helpless feeling or what have you. And w- when, when we allow that to happen, uh, let's say someone has an anger issue, um, and that was something years ago I certainly had that I had to overcome because I, I realized it was not serving me and it was not serving the people I was around and it was not going to help me reach my potential in any way and I needed to make a change. And so 
my emotions, you know, would get the best of me and, and I would just, you know, feel angry. And, and obviously when you're mm-hmm. in that kind of negative emotion like that, you're not acting in the right, you're not acting in a productive way. You tend to act very counterproductively. So so let's say you're the type of, or not you, but one is the type of person who, who has their buttons easily pushed and they react with anger. So how do you now in the, the day-to-day uh, world, uh, how do you remember not to become angry when 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 this sort of stimulus yeah. happens. Well, so first you make the decision that, or you, first you understand that it's something you need to change. Because let's face it, if you don't feel it's it's uh, something you need to change, you're not going to change. So the first is is understanding right. why you need to change. Secondly, is coming up with an action plan, and this action plan involves rehearsing in your mind's eye, uh, just picturing in your mind's eye. A situation coming up that, that, or a situation happening that has happened before and will happen again. You know, someone, it might be the person who always seems to cause you to aggravate yourself. It might be the person who, who uh, just, you know, uh, it could be the generic nasty customer or it could be, you know, whatever. So when the situation comes, what I want you to do is picture it in your mind just like uh, an astronaut when they go up into space. Uh, before an astronaut does a, goes up into space on a mission, he or she is going to do hundreds of simulations first. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, because by the time they get up in space, if something does happen, uh, well, they've already been there. They've done that. You know, they've rehearsed it so often, they know what to do. Now, is it is is rehearsing it in your mind or picturing it in your mind the same as, as having it happen? Well, not exactly, but pretty close because we know – uh, that the uh, subconscious mind really can't decipher between that which has actually happened and that which has been suggested to it. Okay, so so when you can practice doing this, and you don't have to do it hundreds of times, yeah. but just but practice it enough. Yeah. And what I want you to do is see this situation happening, but see yourself instead of getting angry and instead of reacting, see yourself just handling it beautifully, and picture the emotions, how you feel as you're handling it beautifully. Uh, this person says something to you or or this customer complains and instead of your feeling angry you have a feeling of of serenity and peace of mind and you just yeah. Uh, listen with love while you're letting this person say what they're going to say. You don't interrupt. And then when they're finished, you have the perfect response that helps put them at ease and helps calm the situation and see yourself just handling it beautifully. Um, You have tact and empathy, just like we talked about with the airplane story or the airline story. And, And then what happens is when this comes up, See, if you never practice it, then when it comes up and you're in your hurried, everyday type of thing, you end up reacting to it, right? Yeah, because you, you can't yeah. – the worst time to, you know, to uh, to to um, perform a play is, is on opening night. You know, you've got to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. So, but when you yeah. see yourself, just do it. So then when it actually happens in real life and you see yourself doing it, Wow take great pleasure in the fact that you just handled it so so well right. and then realize that if you did it that way one time you could do it that way every time potentially now yeah. as a human being though you're not going to handle it perfectly every time i sure don't and yeah. i don't think anybody does because we're human beings uh so when you do mess up from time to time just kind of um 
uh, you, you know, don't go on a guilt trip. You can be a little disappointed. That's okay. But but yep. then kind of go through what happened and 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 uh, assure yourself that the next time you're going to do it better, and you probably will. But you'll see that very very quickly through this picturing it in your mind's eye and going through the scenario, you'll see that it is going to become a part of your life in a very very short time. And I'll tell you, it'll just make a huge huge difference in how you feel about yourself, the level of confidence you have, and the respect that other people have for you. Yeah. No. I, I well, love that, Bob. I love that. Yeah, isn't isn't, it, it, isn't it, Peter used the word discipline. And talk about that. It reminds me really about discipline, that the more you do that, the more you train yourself to be in a place internally where you're not yeah. um, flitting about uh, in response or reaction, I guess, in reaction to your external. Like it's that quote around uh, peace isn't that there isn't any trouble or any um, chaos happening. It's the place you find in yourself. It, I completely butchered the quote. I don't even know who said it. But it's <laughs> no, but, that, it can't, but, but, but it, was, uh, it was obvious what you meant, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's that place inside yourself. But if you, like you say, you travel through those experiences in your mind's eye, and I think you develop the practice of, being in a place of calm and peace and all the words you use, empathy and respect, regardless of what other people are doing, somebody else can be flipping out and you will let them finish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always come back to this with you, Bob, that you're training yourself the best of humanity, which includes yourself. But every time I listen to you talk or I read something you write, I always feel like, the underpinning is the best of humanity. And I feel like people live into what you expect of them. Not always, not always, but most of the time. Right. Like, is oh, that a fair you. comment? Yeah. I would think so. I would think so. Now, Bob, um, we are coming close to, uh, to time, but I, I did. Wa- I, I had one question that I want to uh, ask mm-hmm. you. Sure. Uh, because you made, some, you made some reference to it in your book. And it was about your, your the stray cat that you adopted, and, and you used you used <laughs> you actually used some of this some of the the key principle efforts on on getting this cat to get comfortable with you. So I'm thinking that sounds intriguing. So uh, perhaps you uh, perhaps you know kind of uh, summarize uh, uh, the story around that. Uh, sure, I'll give the Reader's Digest version. There was a stray yeah. cat. <laughs> Yeah, there was a, there was a stray cat, and and uh, she was even a, a, you know afraid of humans to the point that she wouldn't wouldn't even let people feed her. And so what I did is I I would put food down outside for her and water and let her eat, but with without being close to her, so that she could you know right. so she always felt she had an escape uh, route. And over the next uh, couple of weeks, I I would move the uh, dish the bowls closer and closer to the back of my house to my patio um and and you know she but i'd still stay far enough away that she always knew she had an out or a back door an escape route and then uh, i was but every day i was falling more and more in love with her so i i i knew i wanted her to be my cat and i wanted uh, to be her human and so um i figured i I could maybe get her to, to you know come inside and and see that you know it was okay that she wasn't in danger and uh so eventually I kept moving the, the 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 bowl until eventually I took it into my patio and then actually into the house but I kept the door open. And then the uh-huh. first time I tried to close the door behind her, 
um, she uh, start she got nervous and so so I opened the door even wider, and she just stayed there and ate. And then I was able to close the door behind her, and she was fine. The moral of the story <laughs> is that she didn't want to leave. She just wanted to know she could leave. And I think that's how most people are in any kind of situation, whether it's that customer or whether it's the, whoever it right. is, it doesn't matter. So we don't want to put pressure on people to comply with us. We elicit buy-in by genuinely respecting people's right to choose for themselves, and um, and, and that's what happened, and she became just a, a great, great cat and a great friend for several years, and uh, we lost her a while ago, so I have a new, I have a, a, a new uh, shelter cat, Calvin uh, Coolidge. Who is is with me now? But she, <laughs> Liberty Liberty was a great cat, and I just adored her. That's a brilliant story, you know what I mean? That see, those that that story I think probably resonated maybe even more with um, m- many of our audience because it's something that I think most people can relate to. And then you flip that into a, a human situation where you know you say allowing someone to have an escape route. And, you know, is is not penning them in, you know, is not pushing them up against the wall, is really not manipulating them, but is influencing them. And, uh, and, that, and of course, you get a better response. That's fantastic. Yes. Now, now, Bob, how can uh, how can our listeners uh, learn more about uh, where to find you and your books? Uh, perhaps you'd share that with us uh, before we uh, call it a day here. Sure. The best way is just to go to Berg, B-U-R-G, dot com. And while they're there, they can subscribe to my Influence and Success Insights. Um, and they uh, can, from there, uh, get Chapter 1 of The Go-Giver, of Adversaries into Allies, and even a couple of more, a couple more of my books. They can also connect with me on all the various social media. Uh, right from that home page, I have a blog. So kind of everything is there that you'd want to find and maybe yep. even some things you wouldn't want to find. But uh, <laughs> come to bird.com and have fun. No, that's great. Uh, uh, Bob, it's been absolutely fantastic uh, hearing from you. Your insights are superb. And uh, and thank you, Kate, uh, actually for joining us today. Uh, really enjoyed having you along uh, too. Perhaps if you have the oh, last words. Oh, my We won't. We won't tell Tom you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did, Peter. Thank you for thank you for having me. My pleasure, Bob. Uh, have yourself a good evening, and uh, you too, Kate. We'll see talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, Take gentlemen. care. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus tax day is coming oh no But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.